the stress that you feel sometimes might not have anything to do with what's happened to you personally and everything to do with what's happened in your lineage, in your family. This is Don't Rush Me. Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life. Hello, music school and law school. But none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. So if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that our bodies hold a ton of wisdom. There's a saying, you know, the body feels it first. And so if you've ever been in a situation and you're like, why did this bother me so much? Or what was with the pit in my stomach when we were hiking near a waterfall or whatever situation you were in where you kind of dialed in and became conscious of this feeling that you're having, it might interest you to know that that might not actually have anything to do with something that's personally happened to you, whether it was a trauma, a big T trauma or little T trauma, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, But it might have to do with something that's happened in another generation in your family's history. And that's where my guest, Laura Lee Paha, comes in. She is an expert on generational healing and is just so knowledgeable about just on an epigenetic level, on a spiritual level, the different ways that we can feel things in our body and what that has to do with our relationship with our mothers, the needs that we have as children and and what happens when those needs aren't met and what generational trauma is and how it shows up in our lives. Laura Lee is a dedicated generational healing facilitator that focuses on empowering mothers with small children to break free from the cycles of family trauma. Her mission is to help mothers like you create a life of joy, peace, and amazing relationships with your children while ending the patterns of intergenerational wounds without guilt, conflict, or, or blame. And you'll see how some of the, the ways that your essential core needs that you have as a child what happens when those aren't met in so many contexts, in so many different relationships, whether it's a relationship with your partner, with your child, or even a relationship in your business. Here is your holistic somatic history lesson. Bach flower remedies are tinctures of water and wild plant extracts that are used as alternative therapies, frequency therapies. These remedies date back to the 1920s and 1930s and were developed by a British physician who devoted his life to discovering 38 remedies that correspond to 38 emotional states. He believed that flowers and plants contain energy that can heal emotional issues. According to the National Library of Medicine, Bach flower remedies are thought to help balance one's emotional state and are recommended by practitioners for psychological problems and pain. In terms of their uses, they can be found to relieve anxiety, depression, stress, emotional trauma, among other issues. 
And the story behind these is that Dr. Bach believed that healing negative emotions helps the body heal itself. In 1928, he began to work on remedies made from plants. And in the spring and summer, he would discover and prepare herbal remedies, and in the winter, he treated patients for free. He went on to establish the Bach Center in Oxfordshire, England, where he developed the Bach flower essences as we know them today. The emotional groups that he discovered were face your fears, find your joy and hope, know your own mind, live and let live, live the day, reach out to others, and stand your ground. And some of the examples of remedies that he has created are cherry plum, elm, lark, white chestnut, willow, impatience, and others. Hope you enjoyed that history lesson on the Bach flower remedies. Now here's my conversation with Laura Lee Paha. Laura Lee, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation because I've been just like discreetly, or maybe not discreetly, but it, it, taking in all of your content and this whole concept of generational trauma and mother wounds, it sounds really heavy, but it's so interesting. And I feel like there's more conversation and more awareness that should be brought on this topic. Yeah, I absolutely agree. <laughs> well, can you tell us how you, you, I know a little bit about your journey, but how you came to do this work specifically around, around healing generational trauma and what law, what led you here? Sure. So, you know, it all started with my own personal experience. Um, I would say, you know, up until my early thirties, um, I, considered myself, you know, like just fine, never thought that I needed therapy. Everything in life in life was great. Um, I had a great career. I knew exactly where I was going and what I wanted to do. Um, but I kept running into struggles in my relationships, my romantic relationships over and over again. Things never seemed to work out. And then things started to get worse where I found myself in emotionally abusive relationships. And every time I would seek help, it started off with me going to counseling and then to therapy. Um, the counselors and therapists that I worked with would ask me about my early childhood and I'm adopted. And they kept prompting me to go back to my origin story and to look at my adoption and how that might be impacting my relationships. And in my mind, there was absolutely no connection. It didn't make sense. Um, honestly, I just thought that it was the other person and, you know, it was their problem and not mine. Um, but when it got to the point that I could see these patterns repeating over and over again, and, you know, I got into these serious relationships where my heart was broken and I was desperate for healing. Um, I sought help from an alternative healer, someone who specialized in what I do now, healing generational trauma. And once again, I was brought back to look at my origin story and to look at my adoption. And it was like a light just came on and I could clearly connect the dots between what I had been through as an infant and what was happening in my life in the present moment. And it was like, I was wow. finally able to accept what people had been telling me for almost a decade. 
and it just made sense. And I was like, wow, there's, there's so much here that so many of us just aren't even aware of. Like we don't understand how our origin stories impact us in the present moment, but there's so much there. That's incredible that you could tap into, I mean, is it tapping into your brain, into your body to go, I mean, literally to infancy? Yeah. I mean, our bodies hold a ton of wisdom and I actually was doing some journaling about this this morning and just noted how I think, you know, our minds work really hard to protect us. And that's why we often don't remember a lot of those early childhood memories. But I think that they're revealed to us like when we when we need to see them, when it's crucial in order for us to heal. And so, yeah, it was a lot of tapping into those to those memories, to the wisdom that was held in my body. And honestly, I think it was like people might say soul searching, but it really was tapping into what was in my soul that needed to come forward. Wow. So, so along the lines of generational trauma, how, well, explain, explain to the listeners what that means and what that involves. Okay. So generational trauma can look like a couple of different things. Um, it can be wounds that are passed on from generation to generation, but precisely because they haven't been brought into consciousness and they haven't been healed. So they're passed on to the next generation. Um, and it's also what we carry in our genes. So that would go into epigenetics. It's kind of like how, you know, women are born with all of the eggs they'll ever have. So when your mother is in your grandmother's womb, the egg that will eventually become you is there. So things that your grandmother is experiencing are literally imprinted into your DNA. Yeah, which is so crazy. Um, so, so on a literal DNA level, things that, and, and trauma is, a, is, a very loaded word, but I could, you could even say experiences, right? Yeah. I mean, I always say big T trauma and little T trauma. So big T would be like these big traumatic, impactful events that everyone's going to remember. And little T trauma, it can be something as small as like needs that we have that went unmet. And when they're unmet and we don't heal it, it gets passed on to the next generation. But yes, mm -hmm. experiences is a great way to kind of take the stigma out of it. And you just said something needs that were unmet. And I feel like as a mother, you know, I, I, I'm starting to think about this and dig into this, but it can be very hard to articulate, you know, needs that were unmet. It's like, and, and then also, you know, it's like, well, is that really a need of mine? Or is that just some, you know, we start to second guess ourselves and, and think about, you know, whether this is something that really deserves to be <laughs> addressed or um, so how, how do we dig into needs that have been unmet with a clear head and without a, well, maybe I'm, you know, not worthy of this, or maybe this is not a big deal and I shouldn't be focusing on it kind of thing. Um, well, I think on a basic level, every child has these essential core needs um the the need for their emotions and feelings to be accepted to be validated 
um, the need to be physically and emotionally nurtured and comforted, um, the need for freedom of self-expression and to explore who we really are so we can figure that out on our own time and our own way, uh, the freedom to play and create, uh, the, the freedom or not the freedom, the need of feeling like you're supported by your caregiver and that you're being kept safe by your caregiver um, and the need to be fully seen and fully heard. Um, and I think the way that we know that those are valid essential needs is that you can do studies and trace how this will continue to perpetuate and show up if these needs aren't met, they go unhealed. You're still going to be searching for those things as an adult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's precisely how we know that they're valid because when those needs go unmet, they stay with us and we keep searching for us. We're usually looking outside of ourselves for someone else or something else to meet those needs. So if it didn't matter if it was just something trivial, I don't think we would have that longing and continue that search. Yeah. And, and, and it can all go back to one of those core needs that you just explained. Mm -hmm. So what is, you mentioned kind of in your story, you know, you noticed in romantic relationships, this theme coming up, are there other contexts? Can it come up in a, in a professional context or what have you seen um, from your work with clients that where these contexts where this might show up? Oh gosh. I mean, it can show up in all kinds of ways in your relationships. Um, I think that not having those needs met, especially like the self-expression and exploration if we're not given the freedom to explore that, then we kind of start to conform to what other people expect from us. And so that can absolutely show up in the career that you choose. And the when I say relationships, not just romantic, but like the friendships that we create, you know, it can cause us to become people pleasers. And instead of doing what feels authentic to us, to try to find that sense of belonging and acceptance from outside of ourselves mm. that can cause you to wake up one day and realize that you've chosen a career that isn't truly aligned with what you want and for who you really are. Same thing with your relationships. I think yep. it causes us to be perfectionists and people pleasers and yep. to struggle with self-love and accepting ourselves, accepting our body. I mean, it shows up in almost every aspect of life, not, you know, the, for every person, but in different ways for different people. I mean, I could see people pleasing, which I know you're well versed in people pleasing perfectionism that can show up obviously professionally, it can show up in your relationships with parents, with your children, with, you know, all of it. And so that is something you're saying that is something that can be tied to kind of needs not being met. Yes. So I think one of the biggest things that happens when these needs go unmet is that as children, we start to think that there's something wrong with us and we're the reason that we're not seen, heard, nurtured, accepted. It must be like some internal flaw. And that that's what starts that external search for validation. And that's exactly how we evolve into people pleasers, because you're still thinking, 
okay, I have to do this. I have to do what other people expect of me. If I go above and beyond and do that enough consistently, maybe then I'll be accepted. Maybe then I'll be loved. And to me, that's, you know, the definition of being a people pleaser. You're striving so hard to do things for other people that you completely neglect yourself. Yeah. I need to do more. Mm -hmm. Which can certainly come up in mothering. I mean, wanting to do as much as you can do and, and, and just professional women in general, you know, doing, getting everything off, uh, checked off the list and, you know, doing as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're doing that, when you're trying to do the most for your children and the most for everyone else, it becomes really difficult to prioritize yourself. Yeah, for sure. Is, is generational trauma the same thing as a mother wound? Can you talk about the difference? Um, I would say that a mother wound is just one facet of generational trauma. It happens to be the area that I've been drawn to the most and where I feel I've been called to help people. Um, One big reason is that I had two mothers. So just, you know, being given away as an infant um, is one huge wound in and of itself. And while my mother, I mean, the mother who adopted me, I refer to as my mom, she was an incredible mom, but there were still you know, places that she fell short where she wasn't able to meet every single one of my needs all the time. So I had mother wounds from that. And once I, you know, healing is a journey, but I would say once I got in a better place and realized that I had these gifts to help other people over and over again, the people that were showing up and asking me for help, it all came back to their relationship with their mother or something within their maternal lineage. And for a while, I just kind of ignored it. And while like, I will tell you, I don't believe in coincidences. I was just shrugging it off. I was like, well, you know, that's interesting. It's such a coincidence that everyone wants my help with mom stuff. And then at some point, I just, you know, gave in and fully embraced it. And I was like, I think I'm here to help people heal their mother wounds. Mm -hmm. So it fit right into what I was already drawn to and what I was helping people with generational trauma. It just is more of a niche Mm -hmm. and a more specific need. Yep. And it seems like, I mean, my, my initial thought is, oh God, what are the mother wounds that I'm going to inflict on my own children? But it's, (laughs) it's impossible, or I would think it's impossible to be perfect and to meet all of those needs all of the time. Exactly. I mean, so the way that the mother wound is passed on is when those needs go unmet and then we become adults and we're still not conscious of those wounds and we haven't been able to heal them. It's just inevitable that we are going to project those wounds onto other people like our children. And that's how it perpetuates. I would say the really great positive thing that we have going for us is I feel like our generation is much more conscious and aware 
um, of our trauma, of our experiences and the need to heal them than the generations that have become, that have come before us. For sure. Really quick, I wanted to hop in and mention something. So you know that my journey with all of this mind, body, and business-related stuff started with a little mindfulness practice, a little a little pre-work routine, if you will, because I used to start my day from a place of, I've got to get everything on my list done, sit down and work from that tight emotional place to kind of setting the stage and setting the scene for my workday, lighting a candle, closing my eyes, all of that stuff. Well, I've put together a little free tool for you that will help you to create your own workday warm-up. So if you head to heysomaria.com, you can take a little quiz and you will leave that short quiz with a way to warm up your workday that's most authentic to you. Again, go to heysomaria.com. That's H-E-Y-S-O-Maria.com. So in the past, I feel like it's been much easier to to pass these wounds on, to project those unmet needs onto your children. But we're the ones who are really starting to self-examine and look at what we need to heal. And that's what's going to heal those mother wounds. And yeah, we're not perfect. We can't, we're human, you know? There's no way that even as the best mothers, we can consistently meet every single need of all of our children all the time. So yeah, there's going to be some wounding that takes place and our kids will grow up and we'll need to heal some things themselves. But I think overall it's getting a lot better just yeah. because of how conscious we are and how intentional we are about looking at our own pasts and wanting to heal. Yeah. I feel like there's some kind of line you can trace because even the a couple of generations above us, you know, therapy is like a a trigger word (laughs) that nobody wants. Yes. But you look at, you know, you watch one episode of Mad Men from, I don't know, 50s, 60s, 50s, 60s, 1950s, 1960s. And you see these children who are like, this is how you must behave. Children should be seen, not heard. I mean, right. It's very obvious what the culture was around children then which is how these, this generation grew up. And so it, it makes sense that you can almost trace, you know, this complete affront, like taboo label on therapy to the childhood that was experienced by many people in those older generations. Yeah. And you, you named another big component of what keeps both the mother wound and Um, other aspects of generational trauma in place. It's like, if you speak up against those things that need to be seen, those needs that you had, and it goes against the societal norm, like what's the feeling that's going to come up? Shame. Yep. Shame and guilt are two big feelings that keep those wounds intact and keep them perpetuated from one generation to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading some Brene Brown thing where she talked about shame and just like the power of shame. It's super powerful. Especially as a child. Yeah. So my big question around all of this work is, you know, there might be obvious or what society deems obvious 
problems. I'm going to say problems, although there might be a better word with a mother figure, you know, the, the obvious abuse, the obvious, you know, big capital T traumas to use your term that people might've experienced, but then there may be some who are like, well, I love my mom or, you know, I don't want to blame my mom for everything, but I know that there obviously can still be some cycles in there that, you know, might be an, an undercurrent, uh, living there where, you know, there, that, that can, you can still love your mom and respect your mom and do this work. Absolutely. Yeah. I think even before I got really deep into, um, the mother wound work, one thing that I really loved about healing generational trauma and the modality that I, or one of the modalities I use to help my clients do that um, in family constellation work is that it allows you to look at what other members of your family, and we can use our mothers as a specific example, but it allows you to see from a more neutral outside perspective, like what exactly was going on with her and what she was going through that caused her to impact you in the way that she did um which i think can help cultivate a lot more compassion and understanding and it kind of removes that element of blaming your mother for what happened to you and instead you're kind of more able to understand mm. Might not be the case in like a big T trauma situation. I mean, it can, it, in any case, it can help you cultivate more compassion. But I think in these more experiential situations that you're describing, it can really help you understand. And as I got into the mother wound work, that was something that became very clear to me is it's not about blaming our mothers, although feeling guilty about doing so is a big part of what keeps that wound in place because it keeps us from feeling the things that we need to feel, grieving the things, the experiences that we had that need to be felt and grieved in order for us to heal. And it keeps us in general from examining what happened to us because we feel that guilt we feel like we're blaming our mothers. But if you can step back and see where those wounds really come from, you'll see that it's not really your mother's fault. The only thing that would have made a difference from her perspective is if she was able to look at, become conscious of and heal her own wounds. But really these wounds come from women, mothers being placed in this juxtaposition of, on one hand, society expects us to do the emotional caretaking for everyone. We're supposed to be the nurturers. You know, we're supposed to take care of everyone else. But at the same time, we're supposed to do so without being too outspoken, without expressing our emotions too much. Um, and now women are expected to go out and work and provide on equal footing with men while doing everything else at the same time, being perfect mothers, being the perfect person, it's a lot of pressure. It's a huge and don't let anybody load. know that it's hard and don't let anybody know how you really feel. So if you can see everything that was impacting your mother, I think it becomes a lot easier 
to understand like this is not about blaming her it's about understanding where her wounds came from and why she wasn't able to heal them and how she passed them on yeah wow so (laughs) I mean it's absolutely true it's it's yeah all this huge mental load and by the way don't talk about it you know yeah don't acknowledge it don't don't look like don't let them see you sweat yeah, I mean, the, just the societal conditioning that is, I believe, is still in place. Again, I think it's getting better. But if we look back over the past hundred years and how emotions are treated, we're taught that emotions are weak, that we're supposed to stuff them down. We're supposed to ignore them. We're not supposed to show them. But allowing ourselves to feel and process is exactly what allows us to be able to heal and to stop perpetuating that trauma and those wounds. It's a big predicament. It's huge. So can you tell us for those who are like, Oh my gosh, I need to do this work. Tell us how you work with clients and how someone uh, might contact you if they're interested in, in learning more. Yeah. So I work with clients in several different ways. Um, I facilitate a couple different modalities of healing, family constellations that I mentioned, and then also Theta Healing, which helps us heal and transform our limiting beliefs, which there's a lot of belief work that comes up when we're talking about mother wounds and generational trauma. Um, And I do these for single sessions, which is a great way if you've never experienced the work to kind of dip your toe in and just kind of start to explore what's there and what you might need to see in your own childhood and family experiences as well as in your lineage. Um, And then for people who are like, oh my gosh, yes, I need this. I'm ready for like the big change, the big transformation. I do have a one-on-one container called Cycle Breaker where I work with clients one-on-one intensely for three months. And we go through the whole process of excavating what's in our family of origin, everything that needs to be seen, learning how to build a foundation for, you know, processing the emotions that come up with that in a way that feels supported and safe, and then rebuilding your relationship with your inner child and understanding how you are the one who can meet those needs for yourself and give that inner child everything that she needed but didn't receive in childhood. You're the one that gives it to yourself now. So we do all of that in three months. Wow. Incredible. Well, um, for someone who's, who's ready to take maybe a a dip a toe into the pool and, and start learning a little bit more, do you have any resources or books that you recommend that people start with? Yes. So there is an incredible book called discovering the inner mother by Bethany Webster. Um, actually teach a group healing course on this book. Uh, but I recommend it to like every single person, every woman that I talk to, I'm like, you have to get this book. Um, when I read the book, she just did a beautiful job of putting into a framework, the things that I was already doing with my clients, but it just became much more clear. And I think it turns on a major light bulb for every person I've talked to who's read it. Um, I also recommend the book, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. 
Uh, he is a family constellations facilitator and just does a beautiful job of explaining generational trauma and epigenetics. People who really like to understand the science and the why behind this stuff, it's a great resource. Great. Well, I will link both of those books in the show notes um, and link to your account too, so people can get a hold of you when they're ready to do this work. But thank you so much, just number one, for doing this work because it it's so important, but also just for being here and chatting with me today. Um, well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you loved that conversation with Laura Lee. I learned so much from her. I always learn so much from her whenever I talk to her. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do a quick rate and review. It means so much. And share on Instagram if you have uh, any takeaways from this episode. And tag me at Maria. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.